Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Last week, we talked about this life that Paul was laying out um, that had two different ideas that he was pitting against each other. The idea of conformity to the world. So being conformed to the world, aligning with the ways of the world and allowing the world to actually dictate the way you live your life and what you do. And we talked about what that actually means. The world represents the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And a conformed life to those things is one that actually has a lot of that stuff in it and allows it to continue in life. And what Paul was challenging us is not to just live less conformed lives, but to actually live transformed lives. Transformed lives are completely different than just a less conformed life. You can, on your own, try to be just a little bit better than some of the stuff we see in the world, or you can allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life and be radically different in your influence and how you live out in the world. And we as believers, he encourages us to be those that are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, I understand that this transformation is a process. It isn't done overnight that there's this flesh and there's sin and there's things that weigh us down. And the transformation that the Holy Spirit brings to our life is a process. So if in your life you've wrestled with having moments of breakthrough and then moments where you're right back into old patterns and behaviors and mindsets, know that the Holy Spirit is continuing to work into your life. But here's what I would encourage you in. Don't settle. Don't settle for what God has already done in your life. Because I guarantee you, he has more that he wants to do in you. He has incredible things that he wants to do in your life. Unless you are sinless and perfect, there's always things that he's going to do in our lives. And I don't think there's any of us here that would fall into that category. And nobody should say that because that would be a problem. Um, But we are all on this journey of transformation. Believe that the Holy Spirit is doing a good work in you and contend for that. Now, today what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump into the next few verses. We covered, uh, we we did a great job. We covered two verses last week. It was fantastic. Um, And and today uh, we might get through a few more. so we're going to start in verse three, and I'm going to read this, and then we're going to uh, elaborate on it. But, but I, want, I want you to have that framework of understanding what Paul talked about, started the chapter with conformity and transformation. Okay? I want you to have these two thoughts in your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, but be transformed by the Holy Spirit at work in you. Okay? This becomes the framework as we jump into these next few verses. Verse three. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly. This is a great phrase, and we're going to unpack this here a little bit more today. As God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same Function In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 
According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If in exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity, leading with diligence, and showing mercy, do it with cheerfulness. So Paul lays this out. Now, now here's where he's going to go with this today. Last week was really focused on your individual life being transformed. Each of us individually have a responsibility to allow the Holy Spirit to come and to transform and to change our lives. But this is what Paul is saying today. Individual transformation affects the transformation of the whole body. What God does in you affects us. That means when God is doing something incredible in your life, he's revealing something new, you are stepping up and you're growing in your faith. I was talking with Ruth Ann this morning about how God seems to be calling people into greater levels of faith in their life than ever before. And when God does that in a people and we step up into the areas that he's transforming our life in, it betters all of us. See, here's the deal. There's a misconception, and a lot of times in our Western world and our Western approach to church, we can get in this mindset that it's just about me and my personal little relationship with Jesus. That's actually false. You don't have your own little personal relationship with Jesus. You have your faith in Jesus. But your relationship with Jesus is affected and affects the rest of the body. We have to understand this, right? There's, there's too much going on in the world that says, I just am responsible for my own little world and I just have to take care of what I'm doing and it doesn't affect anybody else. It's only me. That's not true. The funny thing is in a culture that actually says that that's true, it is riddled and ruined with lives that are destroyed because the opposite is true. We have to understand this. Now, Here's the sobering thing for just a second. As we talk about what Paul's saying about transformation and conformity, the other side of this is as much as transformation affects the transformation of the whole, conformity also affects the whole body. I want you to think about this for a second. Every person in here has a world view. Your worldview is shaped by the influences that you allow into your life. Your worldview will dictate your actions, your words, how you say things. The attitude at which you carry your life with will absolutely be dictated by the influences that you allow into your life. Now, here's the thing. That that will also permeate into the body. Now, I'm not saying this to tear anybody down. I'm just, I'm just telling you something here. What Paul is saying, we are all part of one body. Yeah, that means we all get to cheer each other on and, and encourage each other and build each other up. Yes, but that also means that if there's other stuff going on, that does have an effect on the body. We need to be aware of that. It's a, it's a, it's a thing for us to continually go back to God 
and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate areas in our lives where we've maybe just conformed a little bit to the ways of the world and not lived as much transformed by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because if we've made concessions about ways of thinking, if we've made concessions of the flesh, if we've continued to live in willful and knowing sin patterns that we know are wrong, but we decide not to do anything with them, then what we've done is we've actually conformed to the ways of the world, and then when we're in this body, it affects one another. It's like a, it's like a virus that can spread through the body. Conformity to the world. And before you realize it, what happens is the beautiful thing that God intended and that Jesus is building, the church, the body of Christ, becomes something that is riddled with all kinds of other junk that really is just the effect of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and is less transformed by the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I am not saying this to tear anybody down. I don't want anybody walking away going, man, I'm the virus, you know, like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Not calling anybody a virus, oh my goodness. But I am saying it is our responsibility to take a gauge at our life, to allow the Holy Spirit to dig deep down inside of us, to illuminate areas where maybe we've made some concessions so that we can repent, come back into alignment, allow the Holy Spirit to do a a transformative work in our life that then affects everybody else. We have to be aware. We, we, we can't just go through life on, on coasting. We can't go on, on automatic pilot, right. right? Christianity is not an, an autopilot thing. Right. Christianity is intentional. Yeah. It's very intentional. We, we, we don't just get to cruise through thinking the things that I allow in my life are, are going to have no effect on anybody else. They do. They do. Yeah. Now, now, here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. As the body of Christ, the body supports individual transformation. Meaning, we each are on a journey. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. I think we could all go around this room and identify some areas in our life where where maybe we've allowed ourselves to slip and slide into some patterns of the world a little bit. This is, this is the process of sanctification, is that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in us to shape us and change us and transform us. It, 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 there is no expectation that once you came to the Lord, you're perfect and you have no wrestling with anything ever again. You'll have that wrestle, sorry, your whole life. It's the reality of what we live in. But the thing about it is, If we are connected to the rest of the body of Christ and we are aware of where the Holy Spirit is wanting to transform and change us, then the rest of the body can come around side us and say, listen, I know you fell down on your face, but you can get up because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I know that you have got this shame and I know that you've got these things that are pulling you aside, but I'm telling you what God is for you and not against you. And he who began a good work in you is going to finish it unto the completion 
And we start to encourage and build each other up. And what happens is somebody who is isolated and starts to live in condemnation and shame and walk away from the church because they feel like they're not good enough to be in the church, when they're connected to the body of the Christ, the body of Christ goes, no, get up. We got this because we're all on a journey together. And we've got your back. And when you fall down, we'll pick you up again. But see, that doesn't happen if we're over here just having our own little personal relationship with Jesus. You know what else that means, though? We have to position ourselves for the church to be able to help us in our blind spots. We have to have a willingness for our brothers and sisters to come and say, hey, I'm noticing this. I know you think you're all that in a bag of chips. But I saw how you kind of, how you, how you treated your wife the other day. And, and I'm just saying, I'm just making you aware that there's something better. And we, we challenge each other in this. This is the part of the body of Christ. Now, now, here's the thing is that what I just said is one of the hardest things to actually do. And it is actually probably the thing that the body of Christ does the worst job of. Walking and discipling relationships where it's okay, and I'm telling you right now, as your pastor, to have somebody be able to come and call me out. And for me to be able to approach your life and say, hey, we can be better than this. The Holy Spirit has something totally different, right? But it takes a level of trust. It takes a level of vulnerability. And it takes a level of humility to understand, okay, I am going to allow people to help me grow. That's a choice only you can make. The enemy works overtime to keep you isolated. To make you believe that you don't need anybody else or anything else. And then before you know it, you realize, man, I got, I got nothing. You need, we need each other. So we support each other. Do you see how this relationship works? What God does in you affects the body. And what God's doing in the body affects you in your life. It's the symbiotic relationship where we build each other up through the body. It's really cool how God did it. It's, it's really cool. Is it perfect? No. But is it amazing because he's blowing on it? Absolutely. My challenge to us as One Life is what if we were to take some steps forward in that kind of a life where we were able to understand how I live my personal life affects my brothers and sisters in Christ and be able to receive the strength from the body positioning myself as vulnerable as it might be to receive from what people have to offer into my life. And, and I, I want to say this too. This, this is the other side of it. There's a lot of people that the enemy has convinced you have nothing to offer and bring to the body of Christ. So he sidelined you and he's shut your mouth. I'm here to tell you today, Open your mouth. God has anointed you. God has called 
you. God has put his spirit inside of you. There are people here within the body of Christ that need what God is doing in your life and are missing out, are missing out if we don't have the part that you bring. So next week, we're going to start in this row and we're going to go down and every person's going to preach. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Some people are like, yes. Other people, I'm never coming back ever again. We are leaving. Pits are already sweating. I mean, it's just like, I won't do that. I won't do that. Don't worry. All right. It makes sense. Okay. So Paul says this, we all affect each other. So in this passage, he, he offers some things because we all realize we affect one another, both positively and negatively. We affect one another. He says some very important things that we need to keep in mind. The first of these is this think sensibly, think, think sensibly here. Like, like what he's saying is, is don't be caught off guard and, and have lots of no duh moments. This is what I like to call them. No duh, right? Like it's, it's just like, yeah, no, no duh. I get that. Have these moments where you understand in your mind, this is how I affect other people. And this is how others affect me. And this is how we do this thing called the body of Christ together. Be sensible about it. Verse three, he says this, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. To think sensibly means this. As you look into the definition of this word, it means self-controlled. So be self-controlled. Be alert. To think sensibly means to be in your right mind. <laughs> I, mean, people, I don't know when the last time I was in my right mind, you know, <laughs> I have kids. I don't have a right mind, you know, Uh, to be reasonable. Paul's encouraging us and he's saying, listen, there's a lot of spiritual elements in your life, but there's also some very practical ones. Keep your head on your shoulders about how you engage with one another. Don't, don't, don't minimize these things, but keep them in your mind. So there's some things that I pull out of scripture here for us to make sure that we understand. The first of these is this, understand how you affect others and how they affect you. Okay. This is, this is what I was talking about before, but having an understanding of that is a knowledge that empowers you to live a certain way in your relationship with one another. If I understand that how I am and what God is doing in me has either a positive or negative effect in your life, it's going to cause me to make sure that I'm grounded in the word of God, that I'm empowered by the Holy spirit and that what I bring to you is life giving and moves you forward in your walk with God. It's a mentality. If we have this mentality and all of us collectively are saying, okay, I, I get, I get how this works. And this includes not undervaluing or overvaluing yourself. Don't minimize your voice. Like I said, don't, don't think of yourself as less, but also don't think you're so amazing. Know who you are in Christ and how you affect one another. The second thing is this. Understand that we've all been giving, given a different level of faith. Paul talks about this. Now, now what does this mean? I want to I explain it a little bit so that we kind of understand what 
what he means by this. Because what he's not talking about here is like faith for salvation. It's not like more of us have more faith for salvation and others of us have left. No, the, the less. There's, a, there's a, a faith that we have that we put our assurance in. But it's a, different, uh, uh, it's a different thing that exists. A couple of commentaries that I read uh, said it this way. Jamison Fawcett and Brown says, it's a particular capacity, capacity to take in the gifts and the grace which he designs for the general good. The illustration I like to think about is a hose. On, on our refrigerator at home, we have the little water dispenser out the front, which by the way, we have frigid air, which is don't buy frigid air because you, you, you put it where you think all people in their right mind would go with the water. And then it squirts out on top right at you. Um, I, I've told people it's not a hazing process when you come to our house. Like it's not, but, but you know, try to catch them before they No, that's ice. That's not water. Anyway. Um, I don't know why, anyway, never mind. Um, but in going into that refrigerator, we have this little itty bitty hose. Everybody got that, right? How many have that hose going in? It's really, really small, right? Or you have a fire hose that expands to like a bunch of water. The capacity to receive the things that God wants to do in your life is faith. And it's small or it's large. Now, here's the thing. God says, it says in here that he's given each one a level of faith. But here is what I understand about faith. Faith is a muscle that can grow. Which means that if you want your faith to grow, you have to exercise it. You have to actually ask the Lord to help you grow your faith. If you have a certain level of faith in a certain level of your life, an area of your life, don't settle. Right. Don't just think, oh, that's it. He's just giving me this level of faith. No, he wants you to pursue him for more. Right. He wants you to actually put these things into practice. Now, now where this gets really um, raw and, and real is that we like to think about the, these gifts that Paul's talking about as like we just have them and, and, and that's it and it's great. But the thing is that we can ask for them and we can receive a greater level of those things in our life. Really, a lot of what takes place in life is God looking at us and saying, okay, so I've given you this level of faith. Now, will you step up in that to believe for more? Will you exercise your faith? Will you grow this faith muscle in your life? That comes through the word, that comes through prayer, that comes through walking with people in life that can help you to grow in this area of faith in your life. But it is a muscle and we have to be able to work it. In Luke 17, Jesus is talking with the apostles and he's getting ready to talk about the, the mustard seed, the, the parable of mustard seed. If you have the faith of a side of a mustard seed, you can, you can you know, say to this mountain, move and all of that stuff that takes place there. But at the beginning of that, the disciples say to him, Lord, increase our faith. In increase our faith. I have this level of faith. I have this level of understanding, but I want more. When it comes to the gifts 
and pursuing a greater level of faith in those things that take place in our life, this should be something that actually encourages us and really uh, uh, encourages us with one another. For, For example, I hope that you would hope that I would be growing in my level of faith in the gift of teaching. I mean, that's kind of no brainer, right? Like, I hope he gets better. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think the truth would be there. I hope that, and the, and the faith, that his, his faith continues to grow, right? And the same would be true with anybody else, with the things that God has given you in your life, with the things that he's doing in your life, to believe that we together collectively are asking the Lord to increase our faith so that we can function in those things. Why? To better one another. Right. To improve one another, to build into one another. Now, so we all have a different level of of faith. The next thing is this, is to understand that we all have different functions. This again is where Paul's going, okay, think sensibly here. You all can't be the same. Like if you all were the same, how boring would that be, right? Right? There, there was a, a far side commercial or a far side cartoon that I was trying to find and couldn't, and that was probably a God thing. But um, I, I don't remember anything about the cartoon other than that it was two noses that were like talking to each other, but that was it. It was just the nose. And it was just reminding me, is it like, it's a good thing that we are all not a nose. It's a good thing that God has given each of us different functions within the body of Christ. It's a, good, it's a good thing that there, there are those of you who are in this congregation that have different gifts and different levels of gifting in certain areas that I'm not as strong in because we need each other. So we all have different functions. Understand that this is true. Romans 4 through 5. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. We're all one, but we're individual. Now, the sister passage to this is 1 Corinthians 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul elaborates on this a little bit, and he uses some some wording and some verbiage that I actually really like. He says, indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? It kind of makes sense, right? This is Paul. Think about this. This is a no-duh moment. No-duh. Like, you, you can't all be an eyeball. Like, that would be the weirdest body in the world, right? So think about this, okay? Um... If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has, oh, I love this word, arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. Oh, I love that idea. He's arranged. He's fashioned. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you're part of this part of the body of Christ. It's not an accident that you found yourself at one life and that this is home. No, God has arranged you because he knew that this local body, this local church needed you and what you bring. And he arranges these things so beautifully. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be at all? As it is, 
There are many parts, but one body. Another commentary that I was reading this week from uh, Leon Morris says this, being sober-minded, being, thinking sensibly, like Paul is saying, means recognizing that God has give, what God has given us and being zealous in its use as well as humble. What God has given you and the part that you play, you better be zealous about it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want want everybody to just get this for a second. It is not my job to grow your gift. That's your job. There's only one person who has the responsibility to grow the things that God has put inside of them. That's you. I can do everything I can to blow on that by Holy Spirit and scripture and encourage and strengthen you and motivate you forward. But at the end of the day, I can do that until I'm blue in the face if you don't actually do something with what God's given you. Be zealous about it and walk in humility. There's a really fine line with that. But what I love about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit enables us to do both. He helps you to be totally zealous with everything he's given you, to go hard after it, to be confident in it, to run in it, and to do it with utmost humility. And you know what's so cool about that? If you look out in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, that doesn't exist. You want to be the light that shines before men, that shines out Christ to those around you? You live out with confidence and boldness who you are in Christ and what he's doing in you, and you walk in humility, and they'll go, what? How do you do that? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Verses six through eight, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to proportion. If one's faith is service, use it in service. If I read that wrong, but you saw it on there. If teaching in teaching, reading is hard. If exhorting in exhortation, giving in generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Now, these are, these are one of three areas that gifts are mentioned in the Bible. Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, and Romans 12. And this is a really cool study to go through and look at the different gifts that God has given to the church and the body of Christ for the edification of, of one another. It's this amazing, incredible thing that God's done. And, and, and the thing that it is, is, is as we understand what things God has given to us to function in, it actually brings a level of um, uh, ability to function for us that wasn't there before. Because as we understand what God is doing in our lives, it gives us a lot of confidence to move forward in him. We don't second guess ourselves. We understand, no, this, this is my lane. I, I, like to talk to about, I like to talk about my dad a lot. He's teaching, this year he celebrates 45 years of teaching at Portland Bible College. And what I love about my dad is that he has found his lane, his gifting, what God is doing in his life, and he has ran in that thing. And he is now confident in what God is doing in him. That's, that's what we all should be doing, is living in this confidence that we have. The next thing that we understand out of this passage is understand that we are to be, now th- th- this is really important, okay? I want you to get this. We're to be content with what God has given us while believing for more. The idea behind this is don't compare who you are with anybody else. Guys, I tell you what, comparison is deadly. 
And it is terrible. And it will tear people apart. Don't compare yourself with anybody else. You are who God made you to be. Walk in that identity. But also, don't settle, but believe that God has so much more. Here, here's, the, here's the perspective. And this again, going back to no duh, think sensibly, right? Don't seek more or pursue more of God so that you can be better and closer to somebody else. Don't put somebody else on the pedestal that you're trying to achieve. You say, no, God, you've put this in me. Now I want you to grow it in me. Because I recognize that I have a greater influence than ever before that God wants to do. And we have to believe that if he's going to do that, he's going to blow on that. So being content with who you are while believing that he has so much more for you in that area. Not to be anybody else, okay? I'm going to keep going because I'm running out of time. Understand, the next one, understand that we, uh, that we are to be confident in who God has made us to be. Walk in confidence in who we're supposed to be. Allow the Holy Spirit to give us this confidence that walks through so that we actually can be the people that he's called us to be. Uh, Ellie, the other day we were talking and, uh, and she shared a little bit of this in Dream Team Chapel, but God just gave her a really cool download. And, uh, and one of the cool things that she shared in there were two words that were so powerful in living out confidence and contentment as the body of Christ. What God has for each one of us is to live unoffended and unafraid. Unoffended at other people because their gifts and what they carry and who they are and their perceived influence and all of this. Live unoffended with somebody else and their walk with God and their influence and what God's doing in them. But walk unafraid. Walk with the boldness and the confidence of the Holy Spirit inside of you. So there's a balance of these two things, all right? And then the final piece of this is what Paul says. He says, after all of this, by the way, to encapsulate all of it, love without hypocrisy. Let the love, the genuine love, be the thing that empowers you towards one another in the body of Christ. Verse nine says this, let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil and cling to what is good. Doing some study on the word hypocrisy here is really interesting because in the New Testament, the number one word that it is translated to in the New Testament is judgment. In other words, Paul says, let your love for one another be without judgment. Cool. Well, that changes a lot. If I'm not comparing myself to somebody else, or if I'm not judging you because of something that's in your life that I might not have in my life, and I'm letting there be a genuine love that motivates me towards you, that changes the ballgame a whole lot. And this is what he's called us to do. So all of this put together, the transformed life understands and celebrates that everyone in the body of Christ is unique and necessary and that we benefit one another without casting judgment. To sum it up, the whole chapter, and we didn't even get to the other verses in the chapter, but we made it through the verses that I was hoping we would get through today. So I consider that a victory. Yeah, I know, I know, it's fantastic. 
And I, yeah, thank you, thank you. Still talk for a long time. So uh, anyway, uh, I'm a firstborn, and so I talk. Um, if you think, <laughs> it's one of the problems. It's one of the problems. Uh, to sum up this chapter and what we've looked at here, I wanted to give you this phrase because this is really, I think, just sums it up so well here. So this is what Paul's encouragement is. Let your transformed life genuinely benefit the rest of the body of Christ as your true worship. Which means you worship God as you genuinely benefit one another. As we function as the body, boy, we bring worship to God. As we are a part of the transformation that takes place in each other's life, that glorifies God. Because he looks down and he's like, yes, that's exactly what I was wanting it to look like. It brings him praise. It brings him worship with our lives. As we wrap up today, um, I want to I wanna give an opportunity here as we do at the end of every service. For those that would be in this place today and maybe hearing what I'm talking about, about this transformed life, recognizing that the transformation that the Holy Spirit brings to our life the first part of that transformation happens at the moment that we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That there is a, a, a transformative work that begins that starts to transform our life, starts to change us, starts to, to sanctify us and do the work of God inside of us. But it begins by, by surrendering who we are to God. Surrendering who we are to him. If you're here this morning and you've never had the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. You've never had the opportunity to ask him to be the Lord of your life. I wanna give you the opportunity to begin that relationship today. And that's exactly what it is. It's a relationship that's going to transform your life. And so here's what we're gonna do is I wanna ask everyone to, to bow your heads and we're gonna pray this prayer together all as a family, as the body, <laughs> as the body. And if you're here and you're like, you know what? I, man, I, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I want that transformation to take place in my life. I've recognized where I've been doing it all on my own, where I've been trying to figure it out. Maybe I've been isolated too much, but I want him to be my Lord and my God. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And just repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I come to you today and I recognize I've lived my own life. The world is in me. And I ask you today to come, to take away my sins, to forgive me, to wash me clean, to get rid of all of the junk in my life. I give you my life today and I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me and forgiving me. I love you and I thank you for the transformation that starts right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we do this? Can we put our hands together for those that maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time or rededicated your life?